This is the Pet Podcast on Pets.ca, episode number 51, all about vaccinating cats. Hey there, pet lovers. How's it going? And welcome to the 51st Pet Podcast on Pets.ca. My name is Marco, and as always, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we're going to continue our two-part series on vaccinations. Last time we did dogs, and this time we're going to talk about vaccinating cats with Dr. Lee. But before we get into it, I'd like to thank Golden Girls for her comment on the blog. She thought it was a really useful podcast, and uh, we totally appreciate uh, the comment. In fact, we love to get blog comments, so uh, if you do like the podcast and you want to comment, it would be greatly appreciated if you left a comment at our blog, which is pets.ca forward slash blog. After every blog post or podcast, there's a comment section. You just click on that comment link and you're able to leave comments. We never do anything with email addresses, so please don't be afraid to leave your email address. We never do anything despicable with them, renting, trading, pimping, selling, whatever I said. We don't do anything with it. So please feel secure to leave a comment with your email address. It's been a while since our last podcast, but we did get a few uh, comments by email as well, and uh, I'd like to thank people for that as well. Okie doke, so last podcast we talked about vaccinating dogs. This one is all dedicated to vaccinating cats, indoor cats, outdoor cats. Dr. Lee shares a lot of really interesting info with us. And rather than talk about it, let's just get right into it now. Let's welcome back a Dr. Lee to our podcast again. Last podcast, Dr. Lee talked about dog vaccinations and all about vaccinating dogs. And today we're going to do the exact same thing uh, for cats. But uh, before we get into it, welcome back, Dr. Lee. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Great. Always a pleasure to, to have you on our show as well. So let's start off uh, talking about cat vaccinations. So before cats get to be cats, they are kittens. And most people know that kittens need some types of vaccines. Can we talk a little bit about the vaccines that, that kittens need and why they need them? The vaccines they should get when they're usually about eight weeks of age. The core vaccines, the ones that we recommend for all kittens, uh, is going to include a combination uh, vaccine, and that combination uh, takes care of rhinotracheitis, which is kind of an upper respiratory infection that we see with cats. Uh, it's also known as herpes, and the problem with that is once they get it, it's something that can recur throughout the pet's life. Uh, Khaleesi virus is also an upper respiratory um, virus, very uncomfortable for these guys. And then very importantly, inside that combination is something called panleukopenia. Panleukopenia kind of has a couple different names. Sometimes it's called feline distemper, but it's also called feline parvo. The way that it works and the way that it acts is almost identical to canine parvovirus, and it can be very, very deadly. So that combination vaccine takes care of all three of those. Uh, sometimes they'll add in a couple other vaccines within that combo, but that's uh, what is included in the core, and then a rabies vaccine. In our last podcast about vaccinating dogs, we spoke about the differences between um, recombinant vaccines and modified lie vaccines. Just in case some of the cat people had no interest in the dog podcast, can we go over that really quickly again, and does it apply here as well? You bet. It's actually more important here because we're dealing with cats, and cats, we know that if there's adjuvants within the vaccine, that that can lead to a very deadly cancer. And what, what an adjuvant is, is it's basically something that makes the vaccine work better. 
and we'll see uh, adjuvants in some modified live vaccines and in most killed vaccines. We don't see them in any of the new recombinant vaccinations. The three different types of vaccines, again, killed, modified, live, and recombinant, what that is is we take the killed vaccine, we take the virus uh, or bacteria, and basically on a molecular level, we kind of blend it up and chop it up and basically kill it. So it's an inactive virus, and those little bits are... uh, are injected into the pet. Because that doesn't always work as well, they usually add in, almost always add in adjuvants, which cause local inflammation. The modified live, they take the virus and they, they change it so it doesn't cause disease, but it's still the live virus. For that reason, because there's a, there is a risk that it actually turns back into the real the disease, they don't make that as a rabies. We always hear about that that's a possibility. It doesn't realistically happen, but it is it is possible. The recombinant, what they do is we take a canary virus and they take the RNA or the DNA of the of the virus that we're trying to protect against and we take just those sequences that deal with the proteins that the body recognizes. Those bits are put into the canary virus and then the live canary viruses given into the as the vaccine. That virus then um, goes into the uh, local cells, and because it's a canary virus, it only does a limited replication, but it provides proteins onto the surface of the cells that creates a very strong um, both humoral, which is antibody, and cell-mediated immunity. It's pretty neat because not only does it not need the adjuvants, but some of the tests show that it gives better protection than the modified live. So for right now, with the risk of cancers, the only thing that I would ever recommend is any vaccines that are non-adjuvanted. And so those are going to require some modified live that don't have adjuvants and then some recombinant vaccines. Excellent information to know. Let's talk a little bit now about the differences between indoor cats and outdoor cats. And this is going to be a little bit different than the dog ones because although we bring dogs out for walks, they're usually supervised. Whereas if we let our cats roam outdoors, they're never supervised. What's your input on different types of vaccines for indoor cats versus outdoor cats? For the indoor cats, the combo vaccine every three years is recommended. There is an injectable and an intranasal. I feel a little bit more comfortable with the non-adjuvanted modified live in- injectable. Uh, the intranasal, we don't know if it works a full year, um, so we probably want to give it a little bit more often. And there, there's a part of it that, again, is just a little bit controversial. So right now, I'll probably wait till we get a little bit more information on the intranasal. The rabies vaccine, I recommend going to whatever your state requirements are. The rabies, there are two types out there. There is a one-year and a three-year. Unfortunately, the three-year is adjuvanted. Um, the one-year, there is a adjuvanted and then there's a recombinant option. And so I only recommend that you use the recombinant yearly vaccine. The company that makes it suggests that the there's a lot of information that that one-year vaccine will actually last three years, 
but unfortunately the amount of government requirements to make that legally labeled a three-year, uh, that is so expensive that it's not going to become a three-year vaccine anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, anyways, that's for, for the indoor cat, that is, that's what's recommended as core, core vaccinations. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Lee, if I could just interrupt you before you continue, there are going to be those that are going to ask the following question. My cat is indoors. There's no risk. Why does he need to be vaccinated at all? And that's a good question. If we never were going to get out, then the possibility of them getting these as an adult is, is pretty low. Um, rabies, honestly, it's given more and recommended more probably due to human concerns than it is for the cat, the amount of cats that are going to be really exposed, especially indoor cats, to a uh, rabid animal is pretty non-existent. (laughs) To older animals, I think that there's a lot of controversy as to how often do we really need these vaccines. Um, And as we get older, especially if there's other, you know, disorders going on, thyroid issues, liver, kidney issues, diabetes, vaccines may or may not be so helpful. So I do think it's an individual case. With that said, one-third of all pets will get lost at some point in their lifetime. And anyone that's had work done with having their house painted, plumbers, uh, anything, relatives, in-laws, sometimes those cats do get out. And when they do get out, they can get exposed. So there, there is a bit of a, you know, you have to take a look at each individual case. But if the cat never got out and is an adult, and it had the kitten vaccines. It's kind of hard to say how much those vaccines are necessary. It's a very, very, very good point that you made. You know, and personally speaking, my cat is older now. All he does is play with me a little bit and sleep and eat and poop. That's all he does. But when he was younger, he was more active. And um, we did have another cat that was also exclusively indoors. And he escaped. You're so right. They get out. So even though we may think, oh, they're never going to get out. There's never a risk. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to use the four-letter word, but stuff happens, right? So, uh, you know, sometimes better safe than sorry. And maybe you're right. Maybe once they get to like 12, 13, 14, the risk of them escaping is far less than if they're, let's say, two, three, four, and five, where they're just looking at, you know, any opportunity to dart out very frequently. So, I'm glad we discussed this because, you know stuff happens and cats do escape frequently. So it's, uh, I would recommend also that, that people heed your advice and, and give those cats, just the, the indoor cats, just the core vaccines, especially in the earlier years of their, of their lives, for sure. So I guess now let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, outdoor cats and the risk to outdoor and the special risk to outdoor cats and what types of vaccines people should be considering if they do allow their cats to go outdoors. Probably the main one that we look at is the feline leukemia vaccine. And to me, it's kind of interesting. I've always kind of thought that this vaccine should kind of be split into the core and non-core sections. As a kitten, I I really do recommend all kittens get the feline leukemia vaccine. Um, It is a deadly virus. And again, if, you know, you'd said the younger cat happened to get out, um, and has contact with another cat's saliva, you know, they could have a very much uh, life-altering virus. When we get older and above a year, it becomes a little bit more controversial with the leukemia vaccine. 
Well, adult cats actually are very, they're naturally resistant to feline uh, leukemia. So indoor cats, um, some of the numbers that get thrown out there is about 85% immunity for an adult cat, whether they've been ever vaccinated or not. So for indoor exclusive cats that don't see indoor-outdoor cats, I don't know that, you know, feline leukemia you may or may not want to do as for the adult cats. For cats that are outdoor or cats that just are with indoor-outdoor cats, I have some clients that they have four cats and two of them are exclusively indoor and the other two come in and out. So all four of those guys need to be considered they're getting outdoor exposure. Uh, those guys, you know, feline leukemia is a very good idea. Um, even though they have natural resistance, it does provide them with some additional protection. The feline leukemia, there are two forms. There's an adjuvanted killed vaccine, which I do not recommend. This seems to be, uh, have a higher, may have a very high rate of the cancer formation. And then there's a recombinant form. This recombinant form, the way that it's given is it's given as a uh, transdermal injection, so it's given without a needle, and there's a very kind of specific device that's being used for it, and that's really the only way that feeling that leukemia should ever be given. If you are in Europe, there is a injectable form that's also non-adjuvanted, but right now in the U.S. and I believe in Canada, you need the needless uh, vet jet device. Quick question. In your, uh, in your experience, based on your own geography, how prevalent is feline leukemia, let's say, with feral cats, right? There's a risk when they go outdoors. How big is that risk? Is it, uh, you know, 1% of the feral population, 20, 80? What, what type of, of, risk, of risk is it? Kind of an interesting question because I think if you'd asked me that about a year ago, uh, I think I would have said that it was uh, on the low side. When I was in Nevada and in Arizona, I didn't see that much of it. Right now, at the practice that I'm working, uh, we see quite a bit. We deal with a cat rescue group that we see them coming up positive somewhat regularly. So I, I think it's very much demographics. Okay, that's interesting to know. So people have to be talking about this with their local vets for sure. Obviously, you know, if it's around 1% or 2% and you're not seeing it like you were in your former practice, it might be a good idea, but it's not as imperative as if you're just constantly seeing uh, cats come in for feline leukemia, obviously, obviously. So please check with your vets for, for you know, for how often they are seeing that virus, um, you know, in order to help you and your vet make the decision, obviously. Yeah, that's great advice. There's a couple other non-core um, vaccines. There's chlamydia. Now it's actually been renamed uh, chlamydophila. Um, but either way, it's a, another upper respiratory vaccine. Some people recommend it. Some don't. If you're in high areas of um, lots of outdoor cats uh, and you're worried about upper respiratory disease, that may be something that you want. Um, usually it's in, already in some combo vaccine. So uh, most of the time it's not something that you have to specifically ask for. The other couple core, non-core vaccines is the Bordetella, uh, which is kind of like kennel cough for dogs. 
while it's common in dogs, um, its prevalence with cats is fairly low. So, again, that would be something to ask your veterinarian about, whether or not they're seeing that locally. Uh, that may be something that uh, you want to give. Then there's the, the last of the non-core vaccines, which is the FIV, um, similar to the HIV in people. This vaccine, and it's a little bit controversial, it seems to, to work well. And the problem is, is there's five different strains. It was developed for two of the strains, tested for one, so we don't know how much protection it has against various strains. The other thing is that a lot of the cats will test positive for the, for the virus if given this um, vaccine. For that reason, um, I don't. I don't generally recommend this this vaccine. But again, it really depends on what's going on in the area around. Um, cat bites is usually how this is transmitted. So it's a very big problem. Then there are a couple vaccines out there that are not recommended. Um, and so, if they are being recommended to you, it's something that you should definitely talk to your um, vet about. And that's the FIP vaccine for feline infectious peritonitis and the Giardia vaccine. Again, right now, those are not, not being generally recommended for, for any cat. Uh, why is that? The, the Giardia, there's just not enough studies to really understand whether or not that is helping or not. Um, the FIP vaccine, the FIP disease is kind of interesting it's a coronavirus, and about high-density areas with cats, about 70% of cats already have that virus anyway. Um, and what FIP happen- occurs is when the coronavirus becomes converts over to a malignant form of that virus. And so there's a lot out there just to show that um, cats, either they have already have that corona or not, and whether they make the transfer doesn't really have anything to do with the vaccine. Um, there's also, a, there was a study to show that maybe the vaccine sensitizes some cats and may make the disease if they do get it worse. No, nope. Good to know. Good to know. Makes good sense. Uh, thanks again for telling us about it. And uh, I guess I also wanted to know and discuss maybe the differences between reactions perhaps bad a lot of people if if they haven't listened to our dog podcast they're going to wonder about vaccines and vaccine reactions can we talk about the potential reactions cats may have and just perhaps very quickly how it may differ from a dog's reaction if there is any difference you bet there's the typical reaction is pretty different dogs you often get the uh swollen itchy face pale gums not feeling well um Cats, usually you'll see vomiting. That's kind of the most, the most common thing that we'll see. If it's throwing up a couple times and we're still eating, drinking, that's usually not uh, something to be concerned about. But every once in a while, we do see a cat that uh, throws up and is unable. It starts to get dehydrated. Uh, some of those guys do need some fluids, maybe just under the skin, um, just to get them through. The other thing we'll see with cats is they can be sore, grumpy, not feel well for a few days. And again, we just want to make sure that they're eating and drinking through those 
few days while they their body adjusts. But in terms of that, like, um, you know, the, the occasional time, I mean, you said you saw it not very frequently, but occasionally, you know, this like anaphylactic type shock where they cannot breathe. You don't see that in cats? Does it ever happen? It does. It does happen in cats. I would say that I see a lot more in dogs than we do with cats. Um, so it does happen, but it is, it is less common. And anytime you go to vaccinate any pet, um, I do recommend that you're able to monitor, monitor the pet for the next, you know, at least 24 hours to make sure that they're doing okay. After 24 hours, generally safe or sometimes reactions even after, let's say 48 hours. As far as the anaphylaxis, um, that is going to be less likely for that to occur. Usually the anaphylaxis is going to occur uh, within a short short period of time. The sore, grumpy, grouchy usually seems to occur between days two and five. The bombing usually occurs within the first 48 hours. Good to know. Good to know. Thanks so much, as always, uh, for that great info, Dr. Lee. Much, much, much appreciated. So now we have a uh, completed series, uh, Cats and Dogs, and now all we have to do is uh, any of the other 20 pets that people may have and talk about those vaccines. But actually, I'm just kidding. I think we're just going to stick with dogs and cats. But uh, thanks, as always, for this info, Dr. Lee. My pleasure. And so I'd like to thank Dr. Lee one last time uh, for sharing all his great info with us uh, in our podcast. Dr. Lee really contributes uh, to our site quite a bit. He, uh, he hops on our bulletin board every once in a while and uh, answers uh, visitors' questions as well. So thanks so much to Dr. Lee. If you want to check out his site, his site is uh, acerlux.com, A-C-E-R-L-U-X.com. Link to go in the show notes. And he's got some really good info on his website. So uh, I recommend that you check it out. If you like this podcast, uh, we recommend that you subscribe in iTunes. You just have to download iTunes, which is free at iTunes.com. And once you do that, you can click the link subscribe in iTunes on the front page of our blog, pets.ca forward slash blog. And that way, every time we put one out and you open up iTunes, you'll see it automatically. We also like to recommend Google Reader, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And that's also a really easy way just to check if we've put out podcasts or not. And when we do, you'll see them automatically. In terms of what's going on in our pet forum, we have a very active forum. So uh, if you're interested in pets and you're lurking, uh, meaning you haven't joined up, I recommend that you check out our forum. It's free to join, of course, and uh, you can participate in our communities and uh, lots of active communities going on. We just started our new uh, assignment for uh, November and uh, our photography assignment. We like to photograph uh, pets doing strange things or fun things. And uh, this assignment is over, under, inside. So it's uh, shooting pictures of our pets pets uh, when they're inside stuff. And I've already posted mine. I posted Ziggler in a beach bag and <laughs> there's some other really cute shots. So if you're lurking on our forum, I recommend joining and uh, that way you could upload pics of your own pets uh, on top of stuff, in top of stuff, and, and you can play along. For our next podcast, I believe it's going to be with Tenderfoot Training and we're going to open up a suggestion thread in the forum And that way members can suggest a behavioral topic or a training topic and um, the great folks at Tenderfoot Training will answer it for us. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And as always, before we sign off, we like to encourage people to spend just a few more moments uh, with their pets. So get down on all fours and give your pets a big petting, a big kissing, a big squeezing, a big hugging. And before you're finished, give them one last scratchy under the chin from Marco. Bye for now, everyone. (laughs) 